Just to let you know, this episode contains conversation that might be hard to hear for some listeners. If that sounds like it might be you, then please do head to have a read of the episode notes before listening. Hello, find yourself a chair, take a seat, grab your drink, get comfortable because this is Table Conversation and I am Craig Story. Just for your information, my drink of choice this week is a mulled wine. I'm getting more festive by the minute. Thank you for listening once again, and I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. did have quite a few comments about the loneliness, and do you know what? Bizarrely, the weekend after that podcast, I was reading an article in one of the newspapers that said, um, according to their statistics, twice the number of people as normal are expecting to spend Christmas alone this year. That's up from 4% to 8%. And a survey for the British Red Cross said that 39% of UK adults had not had a meaningful conversation with someone in the preceding fortnight. So like we said in last week's episode, make every effort to stay in contact with someone or maybe reach out to one of your neighbours and of course do it all safely at a distance. But it really is worth thinking about those people around you at the moment. In the same opinion poll, opinion opinion poll that is, young people, they can't wait to return to holidays, funny enough, and older people, the biggest thing that they're missing is hugging their family children. So it was like that article was written just for last week's episode, so it was really interesting to read. Now, something I've been talking about this week in a lot of conversations is anxiety. And I guess in any year, Christmas can trigger some anxious feelings. And whether that maybe is about spending it alone or with family or friends for some people. This year, we've got the additions of restrictions and all of that um and are in and confusion about whether there will be any restrictions or won't there be any restrictions. How many people can I get around my table? Or maybe you're thinking, am I safe? You may not have spent time in the same room as your family for many months now but now you're about to start doing that just for Christmas so that may be making you feel anxious too. One thing's for sure as well there are some real extreme opinions which I've been witness to a few of those this week. I mean they may even split your family um, or they could split your friendships down the middle. A lot of which of these opinions and extremeness is all based around fear which is quite a gripping emotion to have isn't it? I mean, even me personally, I have fears and I I feel uncomfortable at the moment and it, it is something that's bothering me. And like I said, this could split me with my friends and family, but I, I feel really uncomfortable that we're at a stage now where the government are dictating how we spend a celebration. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-government. Do I think they've made some bad decisions? Yes. Do I think they've made some good calls? Yes. Uh, I'm not sure any government would get the current situation completely right. But I do genuinely feel a little bit uncomfortable with the level of control. And the reason being is I, I do consider myself a sensible person. Some may disagree. I can see and read data. I can speak with healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses. I can assess my own risks. I can use guidance from the government. And I have faith that most people, or certainly most people I know, are sensible enough to make their own choices and decisions based on their their own risk assessments. I mean, let's be realistic. The government do advise us and dictate that 70 miles per hour is the limit for the driving on the motorway. That is, based on their risk assessments, the safest speed that you can travel at on a motorway. Do we all stick to that 100% of the time? Or do we take a risk based on our own assessments? And whilst I agree, guidance should be there. It has to be there. 
but there has to be some personal responsibility and not complete nannying and every decision made for you it's like we're losing the ability to to make decisions over our lives which is crazy how that has happened over a short space of time I'd love to know what you think about what I've just said so drop me a message maybe it's something we can talk about in the new year um When it comes to anxiety, though, and thinking about anxiety, I did say at the conception of the podcast, if you listen to the trailer, that I wouldn't want to talk about something or share advice about anything that I haven't experienced myself because I don't know. I don't think that would be authentic. I could read a book about anxiety, uh, but I don't know. I think it's better to come from someone who has experienced it, who does live with it. And as anxiety affects one in four in the UK, it also affects my friend Simon, who agreed to come and join me around the table and share his story, which, as you'll hear, came as a bit of a surprise to me because I didn't know that Simon suffered with anxiety. He opens up very bravely, very honestly. So settle down and join us at the table for this week's conversation. Hello, Simon. How are you? Hi, Craig. It's good to be with you tonight. Oh, thank you very much for joining me at the table. I've got the emergency chairs out. It's Christmas after all. I think it's great that you're here with me first off. So thank you for that, as I've said. But also the subject that you uh, wanted to talk about, I think it's very brave to come on and talk about something as as personal and as important as, as what we're going to talk about. So, yeah, I think it's really Definitely brave. This time of year. Yeah, definitely. And to be honest with you, I've known you for maybe three years now and we we spent time together socially um, when we could, when we could physically meet up. Um, And I didn't realise that anxiety was something that you you did suffer with because you you seem a very confident person. You come into a room, you're, you're very chatty. There was never anything that said to me, oh, Simon's off with anxiety. And then when the podcast came out and I asked for and people to step forward and anybody want to come and join me at the table you got in touch and said oh yeah I'd like to come on and talk about anxiety and I was like what 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 is this all about so take me back to how you recognize that anxiety was a part of your life so I think it's always been there at the back of my mind it's just knowing yourself that you suffer and you know I'm not the only one that suffers but to be brave enough to talk about it and help other people, it's obviously really important. I don't think I can actually put a trigger on when it started. I think you are, I think you can grow into anxiety. I think you can be, um, I think certain life events can take you down certain paths. Um, but actually... Were there any specific life events that happened to you where it became more noticeable than just maybe sitting in the background, like you said it might have done for many years? I think so yes uh, my parents divorced when I was around 16 uh, and I think it was I think it's always difficult for any child when their parents get divorced but particularly more so as you get into older teens it's more mm-hmm. difficult to kind of understand and you know everyone asks about younger children are they going to be okay are they you know how are they being affected by it but when you get older people kind of think you're you're okay and that you can deal with it and that you can stand on your own two feet and you don't need that attention anymore you don't need that support in that respect um and that was a real difficult one for me knowing that this family structure that i had kind of got you know blown apart overnight and it was uh, really difficult for me to deal with uh so that that was definitely one of the main triggers for me and i was always worried growing up about loss 
you know, grieving and loss in my family because I've never, never lost anybody. So mm-hmm. the thought of losing people in my family uh, through, you know, illness was always um, worrying me, always kept me awake and made me, uh, my head race a lot. I started, um, you know, I was very lucky to have all my grandparents for such a long period of time. And then in the course of a year, I lost three of them all in one, all um, in 12 months. And it was a real big struggle and a big life lesson to me that, you know, loss does happen, but we can't let it consume our minds. And it was definitely a scary realisation that you can move on after loss. Uh, You can have these life events, um, but you can just, you need support through it as well. You can't get through it on your own. You do need to communicate with people. Mm -hmm. You do need to get some, um, you know, you may even need some professional help as well, because I was always worried that if you, about the loss of a family member but it's something you can't control as long as you when you start to realize that you can't control these events these situations in your life you start to manage them more and when you realize that you can't micromanage everything yourself you actually need to stand back and let somebody else Mm -hmm. help you whether that be other friends or the family or professional help then that's when you start to deal with those things and you can start to move forward with your life so just rewind into the start of your answer as I said very honest and you so something I never even considered when you think about um, parents divorcing and you're in your teen years do you know what that's probably worse than being a younger child isn't it because you've got all the other anxieties or the other maybe the stresses around being a teenager like the hormones are raging you're worried about the way that you look and you're comparing yourself to all of your friends so that must have been a quite a tough time in your life so yeah, definitely. And I had uh, younger siblings that relied on me. So I had to be a strong person. I couldn't show that I was weak. Uh, I had to set a good example. I had to be the role model. Uh, but actually inside, I was hurting, I was suffering. And no one turned around to me and said, oh, Simon, how are you feeling about this? It was always about my younger siblings. Or, you know, you'll be okay. This kind of pull your socks up mentality and, you know, life carries on. Everyone's, you know, a lot of parents divorce. But actually, all you need is just to take a little, a little sit down with somebody and just ask, all it would have taken was somebody to sit down with me and ask, Simon, how are you? I could have explained how I felt, but it all built, it all builds up in your mind and it starts to, uh, you start to get a lot of resentment and you get a lot of, um, uneasy thoughts really you don't feel yourself anymore do you think it's it's such a british thing isn't it this stiff upper lip and keep calm carry on and it's it's like a disease we have isn't it because nobody wants to talk about the tougher subjects or the ask the ask tough questions do they it's yeah i think you're right it's more of a generational thing as well i mean people in our generation like you and me craig we we're very open to talking about things and we're very open and we're, um, we can communicate more effectively and that will go on in generations to come. You know, our children's mm-hmm. children will be fantastic at communicating and talking about mental well-being will be just, you know, it will be the norm. It will probably mm. be part of the, um, you know, it's already going into national curriculum for education over the next few years. Fantastic. So I didn't know that. It's really important that. that we, 
Oh. So it's really important that we what we talk about it openly. Whereas for our for our parents and our grandparents before us, it was you know people don't talk about their feelings. It's very much that they have to. Yeah. They have a role to play in their families. They either perform to it or they don't. They're either a success or a failure. And that's it. You know, there's no level playing field there. And I think it's um, much easier for people to talk nowadays. There's much more support nowadays. Uh, but to try and ask for help, you know, even as little, as little back as 10 years ago, would have been difficult for people. That's why people like the royal family, um, you know, the new generation of royal family like Prince William, Kate and Harry, they are massive advocates for mental health and mental well-being mm -hmm. because they recognise how important it is for the future generations. And you know what, something I learned today actually is that 25% of the British workforce will take um, sick leave for mental health. That's a quarter of the workforce. So it is something that employers need to sit up to as well isn't it because it's imagine that amount of like lost time lost money if, if their, their support networks aren't in place even in places of work not just at home yeah definitely and most businesses now recognize the um you know the mental health awareness week and there's lots of support for people um that do suffer with their um <laughs> mental health especially in the workplace and their well-being and there's, you know, there's there's task forces put in place in businesses that will, you know, advocates that can answer questions, which is great. And that's, you know, long may that continue. And again, that's mm -hmm. just another shift in the world because a few years back, people would not talk about their mental well-being in public, in private, and particularly not in the workplace. So um, I'm very lucky to work in a workplace where, you know, we can talk about anything really. And I can, uh, I've got loads of friends that I can talk about and I know that they may be feeling similar things and we can communicate in that manner um, which is you know laid back but non-judgmental but it's really supportive as well. I mean that's fantastic because it, like we said it's even to now really there are many people that don't openly talk about it. and let's be honest I've known you for three years and we've never had this type of conversation before yet. We started deciding to do it across a podcast. Was there any reason, are there any reasons why, not me in particular, I don't want you to say anything about um, why we haven't talked about it, but is there any, any, what does hold you back from talking about it? I think I'm much more confident a person now to talk about it. I think that I constantly try and challenge myself you know, I, the job I'm doing now, I would never dream that I would have been doing this, you know, five years ago, um, being out there and talking to, you know, big amount of people and, you know, communicating in that manner. So I'm always trying to push myself and drive myself and set myself goals that I can achieve. You know, doing this is just another another goal, I can, another hurdle that I can reach, I can get over and you know, why not if it helps somebody else and mm -hmm. people realise that even someone like me that on the surface looks like, yeah, oh, Simon's got a nice life, Simon's got a nice house, a nice partner, it, you know, everything seems like Simon works okay for Simon. But actually, I can have problems as well. Mm -hmm. I can feel how you're feeling uh, if, you know, if you're going through anxiety. Um, I've been through it and I got help, professional help, which I'm not scared to say. I'm not, you know, I'm not ashamed of that at all. Actually, it's made me a stronger person. And if I can help one person, then...
Right. Especially this time of year, I think a lot of people are probably seeking help. Um, let's for anyone that doesn't really know much about anxiety and what it actually what the experience of it is like. What is it like mentally first off? So it can display itself in many different ways. Um, and if you go to a GP or a healthcare professional, they will go through certain criteria with you. So um, one of them is they'll do a, um, a patient health questionnaire. Another one they'll do is a, a generalised anxiety um, disorder questionnaire, um, basically asking you to rate how you feel about certain things in your life. Um, and they'll score you whether you are affected by these things, you know, every day, nearly every day, um, not at all, or, you know, several days. Mm-hmm. And basically, they'll, they'll put you into some sort of, you know, they'll rate you how, how high your anxiety is. So everyone, everyone gets a different score, whether you are, you know, um, a low on that scale or whether you're high on that scale. And support mechanisms can be put in place there. But I suppose anxiety can display itself in loads of different ways. And uh, for me, it was um, a lack of sleep was a really difficult one for me. You know, mm-hmm. going to bed and not being able to switch off, not being able to turn off that button in my head that was saying, you know, you need to turn, you need to go to sleep now. You need to, you've got work in the morning, you've got X amount of hours left. So that was a really difficult one, trying to um, disengage from, you know, the world that we live in, which mm-hmm. is really hard with, you know, all pressures of work and, you know, you've got yeah. social media and trying to communicate with everybody. And, you know, so a lot, a lot of my difficulty was racing head. My head races anyway. I'm a, if you speak to anybody that I know, I forward plan. I want to plan for, I've got a holiday booked. I want to plan for another holiday. You know, I want to, I'll be thinking about this time next year, what I'm going to be doing. And mm-hmm. so my head always races. And that was a difficult one for me. You know, I tried to, uh, I, I, I had so many things floating around in my head that I couldn't compartmentalize them. I couldn't think of one thing, solve it, put it to bed and deal with it. I had all these things floating around in my head and it, all of a sudden it got, you know, it's way too much for you to try and figure out so many little things than trying to deal with one big thing. Uh, another thing was, you know, the panic attacks. So I've had a, I've had a few panic attacks um, from the anxiety. So the, the, the panic attacks will normally come when your anxiety can't be controlled. So your breathing goes extreme. You can't regulate your breathing. So your body tries to kind of tell you that you're going into an anxiety episode. And the key thing for me is you get these tingling in your fingers, kind of a pins and needles, and it's such a unique feeling. Um, And it's scary. If you can't regulate your breathing and you kind of start to help hyperventilate, uh, luckily, whenever I've had my panic attacks, my partner's been there. So he's able to talk to me, calm me down, he knows what how I'm feeling, and we can, you know, he brings me back down, which is great. Yeah, definitely. And but you panic, panic attacks are just a, a really they can be really really scary, particularly if you're on your own and you you know you feel like there's no way out of them. But you know, everyone has all all these different displays that every everyone displays different recognition features, if you like, about anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said before about worrying about my family dying because I've never, never had loss in my life. I used mm-hmm. to worry about people dying and I used to think, well, I don't want that person to die. I want that person to live forever. How is it going to be? Uh, how am I going to cope? How am I going to manage? How's the family going to manage? You know, what will my role be in this new setup of our family? Will I have to take another role? And, you know, mm-hmm. can I deal with all this on my, on my shoulders? And 
you know, that was incredibly difficult. And like I said before about my parents divorcing, it was, I was kind of taking a lot of the burden for my younger siblings. So then taking that burden on top of, you know, a loss in my family as well, all these things, it's a layering effect. It stacks on top of your shoulders until eventually you have to say, you know, enough is enough. I can't deal with this and I need Mm. some help myself. I think as young people growing up, we're kind of led to believe the narrative is that good things happen to good people. So when something bad happens in your life, then it kind of screws you over because you you must, I think we all do to some extent, we start to question, why is it happening to me? What have I, I done that's that's making this happen? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, everyone want, everyone has this picture in their mind, don't they, of their life, how they how they see their life going. And for mm-hmm. me, I always assumed that my parents would be together forever and that I would have my, you know, I'd have my family for a lo- my, my grandparents for a long time and, you know, my lifestyle wouldn't really change and my career would be nice and safe and secure. And, you know, even from just the last couple of years, you know, even this year from COVID-19, you can see the upheaval that people have had in their life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I worry about my career on a, a regular basis and it's only through talking now talking to my friends and actually they put me on this level playing field again and we talk about it and actually we we figure it out between ourselves we go through the pros and we go through the cons of things and we actually realize that the pros are way much outweigh the cons and actually there is a future there is uh, positivity and there's, there's always mm-hmm. positivity to have in everything so i think that's the key thing you know talking about how you feel about certain things especially this year people I find it really really difficult so people have been having up days down days you know and I feel lucky that I've had a good support around me because majority of my experience in lockdown has been positive but I know for some people it hasn't Definitely not. And I think it's probably made pe- some people come to the realisation they do suffer with anxiety. It's probably given them that space and that time to actually acknowledge what what they're feeling. What you've described to me in terms of like the physical and mental stuff, it's, it's, this might be really simplistic because I, I don't know, shoot me down if it is, but it's like, it's almost like your body's in like a constant state of heightened alert waiting for something to happen it's and it's goes we've I've talked about this on podcasts so many times it is the fight or flight or freeze kind of experience is that am I right or is that just too basic yeah you are right I mean the um the the mental uh the mental kind of recognition features if you like is that your mind is doing you know a thousand miles an hour and you can't keep up with it and it's racing uh, but then you might have physical attributes such as, you know, nausea comes from the panic attacks, um, mm-hmm. you know, from the lack of sleep. It's obviously loads of fatigue and mood swings. Loss of appetite was a big one for me. Um, and it's, you know, there's nothing greater than losing weight than having anxiety because I, I joke with my friends, you know, oh, it's the anxiety diet because you can lose a vast amount of weight in such a short period of time. Because your brain does not want to think about the food. It just wants to focus on the issue that is mm-hmm. floating around in your head. Yeah, it's 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 like tunnel vision almost on that's we need to be ready for this outcome. 
you're right in what you say about fight and flight. It's definitely you either wake up and deal with the day mm-hmm. or you don't, you know, sink or swim. And I get up and I try to embrace the day. If you get up, yeah. stay in bed, you let these things consume you, you might never get out of bed for days. And that's when you start to, you know, you don't turn into a nice person. And I've been there and it's it's not pleasant. So, you know, try no. and just try and embrace the day. You know, the, the one of my top tips is getting up, getting a shower, getting dressed. That's what I always used to do in lockdown. Try and spend spending days and days in your pajamas and not having a purpose is really difficult. So even if it's just the small things of getting up, getting a shower, getting ready and going for a walk around the block, you know, mm-hmm. going going for a walk around your estate, then so be it. Listen to a bit of music, but you need to have a purpose for that day, which is really difficult when we're going through lockdown after lockdown after lockdown. Yeah. And it's uh, like you said, if you could end up spending days in bed, anxiety very often leads to chronic depression for some people, doesn't it? Do you, can I ask, have you ever been in that state of depression? Has it ever led to something more serious? Uh, no, luckily not. So I'm, um... I'm happy that I got support when I did because, you know, who knows? But I was talking to my family even about how I felt. They would always say, you know, you're fine, you're fine. You know, this is this is normal. This is what most people feel like or, you know, don't worry about it. Kind of brush it under the carpet. And I'd say, no, you know, I really want to go and see. I really want to go and see someone. I think I'm going to see somebody about this because this isn't how I don't want to, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to. So um, just to get into that a little bit further, you you just uh, do you do you think there is a, still a stigma attached to it? Because you're if you'd have gone to your family and said um, I've got a really bad back, they would have said go to the doctor get it sorted. Not oh it'll be okay in the end, but because it's mental health, do you do you think that still exists that that stigma that's attached to it? Yeah, definitely. And again, it's generational. It's not. The, the communication around mental well-being and anxiety, particularly in men, is not there for the generations before us. Um, mm-hmm. And even, you know, as close to like my parents, they're just, I remember talking to my mum and they'd say, you know, are you, are you sure you're okay? You know, you don't, you, don't need to, you don't need to do that. You don't need to go there. You know, why, why are you doing it? You know, give it time. But there's only so many... So only so many uh, breaks you can give it without going to, uh, you know, you need to put something in place, don't you? You need to go mm-hmm. and implement a plan. So I remember quite clearly going to talk to my GP and explaining how I felt. And, you know, it's not the first time you go to the GP. It's not the second time, maybe. It could be a number of them because GPs are still learning about this as well. They're not mm-hmm. the experts in this. They're just, they're, they're there to recognise so many things. and. Like for everybody in the world, mental well-being and understanding it is a new thing to them as well. So going and explaining how you feel. I remember having a telephone um, appointment with a doctor and they diagnosed me with um, a condition called SAD, which is seasonal, um, some sort of seasonal depression. Seasonal affective and, disorder. Yeah. And they said, oh, it's because it's winter time. You know, it's gloomy outside. It's dull. And, you know, most people get this. You're probably feeling tired and... You know, that's probably one of the main reasons. So, yeah, I accepted it and that's fine. So, you know, a few months later, you then go back and you realise that, no, it couldn't have been that. So you go in and again, ask for some help. And, and then the, the doctor 
recommended uh, a course of talking therapy, so otherwise known as uh, CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy. Mm-hmm. And that was referred to me from my local healthcare authority. And basically um, sitting with a, um, I, suppose, I suppose she was a psychiatrist, sitting with a psychiatrist and um, a counsellor and talking through how I felt. The main thing they picked up on was the sleeping. So they caught, they taught me loads of sleeping techniques um, and uh, talking about loss and worry, which was really good to talk through. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody finds their own way of getting help. Some people might find the CBT really, really effective. For me, it wasn't that effective, but it's still, you know, it's still the pathway that you have to take to either figure out whether it was it will be mm. or it won't be effective. Um, for me, it wasn't effective, but for maybe if it was you, it might have been effective. So everyone's different in that way, which is, you know, why there are so many resources out there now. Uh, yeah, and for me, I, I realised that the CBT wasn't wasn't going to wasn't for me. So uh, you know, again, a couple of months after trying that and doing the techniques that they taught me, you know, it still wasn't getting anywhere. It still wasn't getting any better. So for me, um, medication had to come into my life. So, so when medication came into your life, how how did your family and friends react? Did you tell them? Yeah, so I told them I'm I'm very open book with my family. So I I told them um, that I was uh, thinking about going on medication uh, initially, and they said, "No, you don't want to go on tablets because you're on a tablet all your life. You know, it'll consume you, and you'll never be able to get off it." And, you know, what, you know, you can deal with this without tablets. And, you know, again, you listen to them. You think, okay, I don't want to go on tablets. Personally, I don't want to take a pill to help me get better. I can do this on my own, surely. But, you know, again, gradually, as time goes on and the situation gets more uh, prevalent in your mind, you have to do something. So, yeah, I went to get medication and I got prescribed it. And I always say to my friends, if ever they are asking for advice or if they're feeling the same or my family, even if they ask me, I would just say, you know, if I had to take one pill, one little white pill a day and it gives me a better standard of life and I can embrace these things and I can, you know, I can stand up in front of people with confidence and I can do my job and I can, it has no effect on me as in it has no detrimental effects on me, it's mm-hmm. completely, um, I, can lead my, I can lead a normal life, then I'm going to take that one little white pill. Absolutely. And like we said before, if, if it was a pain that was a physical pain, then no one would even question why you were taking a pill. It would just be, oh, that's okay, rather than the sort of the questions that everyone gets asked. But I think you're exa- exactly right. Why wouldn't you, if that's going to give you, a better quality of life yeah definitely and I remember when um, you know the ultimate trigger point for me came when I had a quite a big career change I was relocating for six months down to London and um, I was sat in the staff car park ready to uh, we had to get a bus to the um, to the, the workplace then so I remember sat in the car uh, waiting and looking at these bus stops and I thought if I get out of this car now and go onto that bus I'm going into a brand new life that I don't recognize I don't know those people I don't know how they work 
I'm scared. I'm alone. I'm really anxious. I'm nervous. And that for me was, I felt like my world was crumbling then and I didn't have anybody. I was on my own in that car and that was a real wake-up call for me to think, no, I really do need some sort of help now. And so you you went, is that when you went to get the therapy or was that when you started taking the medication at that point? That's when the whole process started, really. That was when I realised that, you know, I that can't big... just keep pushing this off anymore. So standing in that car park were the... F- the the moments that you decided that you were going to take the first steps on the journey to where you are now and it's important to point out when when I say that because it's the journey where you are now because for a lot of people they probably think that you take a pill you get counseling and then oh you're fixed that's it now it's sorted and that's not the case is it no definitely not it's um this will stay with me for life you know, this is, I've kind of signed up for this for life now, this anxiety, it's in me and I, I can't really get rid of it. But you I don't want to get rid of it. Yeah, I can't, I don't want to get rid of it because it is part of me. It's now what you say, it's about managing, managing how it is part of my life. And it doesn't consume me anymore. You know, I can live my life normally and I can do everything I've always wanted to do. I can... I can lead completely normal existence and it has no effect on me. So actually those those things I've gone through make me a stronger person. I know it sounds a cliche, but you you learn. You learn as you grow up, you learn to deal with things, you get more educated on things, and you can actually train your mind into uh dealing with what it throws at you, you know, what life throws at you. So you just we you've spoken a little bit about how you manage it. You've spoken about getting up in the mornings and getting straight in the shower, getting dressed, going out on for the walks. What what else do you do? And maybe there are some things that you talk about now that someone who's listening who feels even if it's a lower level form of anxiety, things that they can maybe pop into their lives that could help. Yeah, I think exercise, like we said, is really important. I mean, I'm not a gym goer. I've tried many times, but it's just it's just not for me. But, you know, going and doing the simplest things like going for a walk, going for a jog and getting that fresh air. There's For me, I love nothing more than going to um, the coast. And I remember after my granddad died, my partner just kind of, it felt like he just picked me up and took me to Scarborough. And the next thing we know, we were, on, we were walking on the beach, um, you know, in the water uh, paddling in the water and for me that memory is always in my mind because it, it that saved me from that situation so something as little as that you know going to your you know your happy place if you like you know that will always be a happy place for me because I know that I can I'm free yeah mm-hmm. so always go into a place where you feel comfortable and uh you know you have that freedom to go and express yourself you know I could go and I could go there and I feel completely uh, at ease with the world. Yeah, so going, so definitely going somewhere where you feel comfortable is important. Going and um, I know you're the same, Craig, but you're doing things like meditation apps and mm-hmm. uh, mindfulness apps. So I know we've spoken about this before, but downloading things on your phone or your tablets and particularly in lockdown, we were doing uh, mindfulness apps, so meditation in particular. And just going through breathing techniques you're listening to a voice on on your phone 
and it's telling you to you know breathe in and out at certain times uh what to think about where to picture yourself and you know it's really hard to describe on a podcast about how that makes you feel but until you've done it yourself and you've given it a couple of times and you are fully relaxed and you are you know you, you are in that zone of that breathing and that relaxation mm-hmm. if you like then it does really really work i know you're a big, a-, a big advocate for that I absolutely love breathing. <laughs> Not just breathing in general, but I, I, breathing techniques are uh, amazing. Changed my life, and I, I've done a there's a videos on my social media where I talk about some of that stuff. Um, but I'll probably do that on a podcast actually sometime. You'll have to come back around the table to talk about breathing exercises and my cold showers. But yeah, carry on. So yeah, you breathing app, anything uh, we can use technology to our real advantage can't we when it comes to using apps and stuff like that There's so much stuff out there yeah definitely technology does help and like we said before there are loads and loads of support out there now there are loads of websites people are learning every single day people with experiences mental health issues uh, who are experiencing mental health issues are you know opening up forums and discussing things on their social medias and it's helping people to actually realize that there is help out there it's not just uh, joe public either it's you know celebrities and mm-hmm. people of like i've already mentioned the royals you know they are opening up and saying how they feel which is great because then we feel like okay i'm like them which is great yeah. we're not feeling like we're the weird ones anymore we're not feeling like we're the odd ones out we're actually feeling like well you know if they recognize that then we must be very similar and then there's obviously um things about you know, communicating is really important, uh, particularly in you know, lockdowns and restricted living that, we, that we've been in in the last few months. You know, communicating, picking up the phone and um, ringing up your friends, ringing up your family, FaceTiming um, mm. and just, you know, the odd text message just to say, are you okay? I'm thinking about you. And, you know, it does help a lot. And when you get a message from somebody that you know is thinking about you, and you just think that person's taking time to contact me when probably they're going through quite a bit themselves. You know, they might have a family and they've got their own stresses to worry about, but they've got time to think about me, which is great. So I always try to consider that as well, uh, particularly people that may be on their own. I, I think, well, they might need some support. Mm-hmm. Friends that I've lost contact with, I try to get into contact with if I can and, you know, drop them a text and, you know, just basically say, I'm, I'm here. You know, I'm still here and I'm still thinking about you. Um, but yeah, you, I don't know about you, Craig, but during this period, I've realized who my friends are and I've grown closer to my friends and I know that they'll be my friends for a very long time because the relationships we've forged during 2020, you know, it's like nothing else, is it? It's we've, we've, we've all got really, really close with the people we really do love. Yeah. And at the worst of times, some, the worst of times bring out the best of people very often. And I, I really believe that. I think it, it it's as much as what it's been such a, a tough year, it has given us lots of opportunity as well to 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 be grateful for those people in our lives and um be thankful that we, we do have good support around us. And so we've talked a little bit about friends and family and I mean I'll tell this story because uh, when we said about coming onto the podcast and I'd said to you on Friday, oh, yeah, I'll get you a brief together. I'll send it over. This is how we're going to record it. This is what we're going to do. Then Sunday morning, you sent me a text saying, are you going to send me a brief? And Because I got caught up over the weekend and didn't send the brief over. And I, I, I suddenly thought when I got the message, 
I suddenly thought over the weekend, oh, Simon, is, we're, he's coming on to talk about anxiety, and I've probably induced anxiety by not setting up what's going to happen. So is there anything that maybe your friends and family, what, what they do to support you, that someone else can think, oh, yeah, my, my sister suffers with anxiety, so this is something I could do differently just to, to support? Yeah, I think you can always just be available and be there to listen that's the most important thing and you know it's it's really vital that we don't we don't say things like pull your socks up or you'll be okay and you can deal with this you know they've probably heard that from so many people and they hear it on the mainstream media and they just want a little bit of personable support so they just want somebody to say look it's okay it's actually okay mm-hmm. if you feel like this. And how are you feeling? Forget the kids, forget the husband, forget doing X, Y, and Z at home for other people and for your work. Stop, pause, and what? how are you actually feeling about this situation or how are you feeling about yourself? That's really important, in my opinion, is to you know make the person the centre of the conversation, make that person an individual and... They may just need five, ten minutes of a normal adult, grown-up conversation without anything else, without talking about anybody else, and actually just to be a little bit selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's not selfishness, really. It's it's being who they want to be. It, they're entitled to be like that. And that's such a simple thing, isn't it, that you're just picking up the phone and checking in with someone, seeing if they're okay. And... And I think when someone asks you if you're okay, there's nothing worse than the respondent not actually listening to that. I think it's it's just a it's rude and b it is a bit a bit selfish. But I don't know. I think that having a deeper understanding of yourself and knowing that or appreciating that everybody's head works differently and how I might see something will be completely different from the next person, regardless of whether they have anxiety or not. But just appreciate that all our heads are so different. I think that's something I'll definitely take from from this conversation. Yeah, definitely. I might not worry about what you worry about, and then you might not worry about what I worry about. And you're a, you're a couple of years older than me, so you might have a couple more years of... Just a couple. In your yeah you might have a couple more years of um you know being able to deal with that and you know maybe you might have for example you might have lost a grandparent at a younger age so that you might have been able to deal with that as a younger person growing up and it might have been more normalized for you whereas for me my life wasn't like that it was I grew up till I was um you know I didn't I didn't lose my um my my first grandparent till I was you know 28 29 so mm-hmm. then I lost three in one go and it was so everyone's different aren't they everyone has all these life yeah. challenges that you have to deal with at different times you might have a more substantial life challenge in a couple of years and I might not but mm. you know you will pick up the phone to me and talk about it I'll pick up the phone to you and talk about it and actually the, the old saying is a problem shared a problem halved isn't it and actually, you get off the phone then realising, oh, okay, yeah, I, someone else is feeling the same as me, or I can talk to someone about that, or I can deal with that, or ultimately, I can go and get proper support out there as well if I need to. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's so important. So just picking up the phone and asking and or just saying, look, I'm struggling at the moment. Because it's a bit like we said before, it's like when people pick up self-help books or they listen to stories on TV shows or you really resonate when you see a particular storyline, even in a soap or a Netflix series. And because someone else is experiencing what you have and it, it makes it normal. And I think you definitely talking and being so open and honest on this week's podcast There'll be somebody out there, I'm sure, listening right now that will will really resonate with your story and and how you how you're feeling, and maybe even take some of the the things that you said on board. When it comes to particular times of the year, we're approaching Christmas. We can't not mention Christmas. This is the last episode before Christmas Day. How is Christmas for you with anxiety? What are there any triggers for you around Christmas? Yeah, so Christmas is um, my favourite time of the year. I get you know, massively excited. It's one of those things where I plan, plan, plan. I want to, I want it to be perfect. I want to, I'm, you know, I get my Christmas cards in the post on the 30th of December. I um, massively look forward to it. So I, I did receive a card from you today, actually. I did get your card. Oh, good. Well, that was sent on the 1st <laughs> of December. So Royal Mail has not done great on that front there. I, my sister works them and she listens. So be careful. Okay. Sorry. So, um, yeah, so we're talking about Christmas. So, yeah, really excited. Uh, but there are certain things that really stress me out. So, for example, whenever I go into a card shop and I see cards, for example, to mum and dad at Christmas time, you know, for me, it just straight away, like uh, someone hits a switch in my head. I just go straight back to my parents' divorce. I go straight back to arguments and a stressful time and a worrying time. And I think... God, I really wish that I could buy that card that I had to my to my mum and dad at Christmas time. You know, that's selfish of me because I've got a fantastic mum and dad. They're both remarried. They're both happy. I'm happy. So actually, because of divorce, it doesn't matter. It was a big mm-hmm. thing at the time. It was it affected me for a long time. But actually now, I'm happy they're happy. And yeah. would I want them back together? No, because I've changed as a person now. So yeah. It, Everyone moves on, don't they? Um, other trigger points, you know, like I say, any any time the family get together, it's it's difficult because you think about people that you've lost. You think people that you remember people that aren't there, and particularly more so this year. You know, when we get together um, for our little bubble over the Christmas period, we're going to be thinking a lot about how lucky we are as well, mm-hmm. and how much you know COVID has affected a hell of a lot of families in this country this year. But luckily, ours is is okay. We're both, you know, we're all happy. We're all um, we're all still here, thank God. And we are we've been supportive. You know, we've had the usual Zoom quizzes. We've had bingo over Zoom. We've had um, you know quizzes and, <laughs> Zoom, and all Zoom. that. Yeah, and we've had we. I know we've had with a couple of our friends, haven't we, Craig? We've had a couple mm-hmm. of sessions of. Um, quizzes and things I think we've all done it and you know that's, that's helped us to to bring us all together which is great but um no you definitely think about people that you've lost uh, but that goes for everybody at Christmas time you know that's not just unique to this year but I think what is important about this year is that people will decide not to see their family they you know I won't be hugging my I won't be hugging my grandpa I won't be hugging my grandma which will be incredibly difficult and yeah I can't have the usual catch-ups with my friends that I want to. You know, I, I normally going out and socialising and even just going out and having that 
one-to-one intimate meal, you know, with my other half, you know, mm-hmm. going to have that little date night at Christmas time and catching up with friends and family, you know, it's not yeah. going to happen. But we've got to count, we've got to count our blessings. And actually, if we've got to feel really lucky that we are still able to um, see people, we can still live a relatively, you know, normal-ish life, you know, the new normal yeah. as it is. And actually we can, you know, we can enjoy a bit of the festive period in, you know, relative happiness. Absolutely. And I, I, I echo that completely myself. I think it's just, we've got this far um, and we've just got to keep going and we will get through this. And this time next year, let's just hope that we can be sat around a table together with our with our friends, family and, and everybody else. So, yep, a tough old year, but as I said, we're, we're making it, we're striving towards the end and it can only get better 2021, can't it? Yeah, definitely. I think we've got a lot to look forward to. You've got to set yourself a kind of, if you're anything like me, you want to think for the future, you want to think ahead for the next year. And for me, planning my holidays is a big thing. So uh, lucky and fortunate enough to be able to plan a few holidays. So, you know, planning time with your friends, with your family, with your loved ones is really important. And yeah, planning time to go and visit people, visit places, you know, catch up on all those things that we couldn't do in 2020. Let's just rearrange them and do them in 2021. We've got, we've got time ahead of us. We can't really, mm. we need to forget about the time behind us now and just move on and kind of think about, you know, hopefully a, a really prosperous and healthy and happy 2021. But for those people out there that, are, you know, Christmas will be a struggle for them. I just, my advice is, you won't be alone. You've got to talk. Just because it's Christmas time doesn't mean you can't pick up the phone to people you love and you trust. You can't mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't talk to them and ask for a chat. You know, you can certainly do that. But slow things down. Think about what is your priority on that particular day. And if your priority is just to make a nice Christmas dinner, watch the kids open their presents, then so be it. If it's another priority of just trying to wake up, have a shower and put a smile on your face, then so be it as well. You can't be the, um, you know, you can't be the the master of all traits. You can't be this person that does absolutely everything um, and try and juggle all these balls in the air because eventually a ball will drop and you can't maintain that for a long period of time. So take time for yourself is really, really important. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Keep it simple. And then it, it's achievable and you feel good whenever you achieve something that that's that's a simple task, don't you? If and if you just keep your expectations to the point where you can reach them rather than set unrealistic expectations on yourself, then that's gotta be a good thing. And I think you really summed it up quite nicely when you said that plan for the future, because we've got future happiness. And that's kind of a lesson you've learned from your teenage years when you first started to get those feelings when your parents are divorcing to where you are now. And I think that's a really lovely point to um, end the conversation there. So thank you so much for being so honest and open. I think it takes, it does take a lot of courage and bravery to to speak openly about your personal world and something that is is so sensitive. And I know a lot of people will benefit from hearing what you've had to say. Before you step away from the table, though, I do have some quick fire questions for you, which I ask everyone that comes onto the podcast. So here we go. First off, then, if you were sat at the table with me right now, what would you be drinking? So I think it would 
going to be a Hendrix and tonic, just ice cold, slice of cucumber, uh, maybe a double measure in a nice long glass. Cheers mm. to you. Cheers. Dead or alive, pick three people you dream of having a conversation with around the table. So I think maybe the first one will be uh, the Queen. So Her Majesty the Queen. Um, I'm a massive royal uh, royalist. I love the crown. Um, and Do you love I the crown, love... though? After, sorry, at this season, there's been a lot of criticism of the crown. What are your thoughts about that? Can I just throw that in there as well? The... Yeah, I mean, they're, they're saying, aren't they, that the, uh, they should put a disclaimer on and all that. But I think you, you see it for what it is. And um, if you're anything like me and my other half, we will Google things straight away um, and we'll <laughs> see whether it was real or not. And, you know, majority of things are, are, are true, but obviously they've got massive artistic license, which you can yeah. say for anything on um, on uh, Netflix or any Absolutely. any platform, can't you? But no, um, I, lo I love the crown and I love the queen. I love the royal family. and yeah, I'd love, I'd love to. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have around and say, you know, what does she think about the crown? What do you think about everything that goes on? What do you think about Megxit? Um, and just have a little chinwag <laughs> with her, really, and get all the fine china out, and you know, oh, toast, yeah. to, toast to Her Majesty the Queen. So yeah, that's my first one. Yeah. Uh, the second person is probably going to be um, Bette Midler. So uh, Bette Midler, the actress um, and the singer. So um, one of my favourite films of all time is Beaches. And, mm. um, you know, it's one of my go-to films when I want to have a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a cry or I'm having a bit of a sad day. So I, I love that film to pieces. And, um, you know, Bette Midler is just a fantastic actress and singer. Uh, even, you know, Hocus Pocus and uh, all the other things she's done, which, have, which are fantastic. So I'd love for her to reminisce and uh, sing, dance and act for me and, me and Her Majesty the Queen. <laughs> Anyone else? Who's the third person then? You've got Bette Midler, Her Majesty. I think probably my granddad, to be honest, because um, my granddad's probably um, what he, you know, he was a, like a second dad to me, really. Um, I was his biggest fan. And, um, you know, to any opportunity to have another drink with him, to have another meal with him, to have any other conversation with him, um, I would jump at. So you're giving me a chance, Craig. I'm going to take it. So he's going to be my final choice. Oh, what a lovely table that would be. And you're at this dinner party. What's one song would you want to hear on the background music playlist? This is difficult because um, I'm thinking with those sorts of people, it's going to be quite, um, we're not going to have rock music. We're not going to have pop music. You know, it's going to be quite chilled out background music. So uh, I wanted to choose two, but I know you're quite strict and you would probably only let me choose one, Craig. So I think because it's Christmas time, it's Christmas, um, yeah. I'm going to choose... Um, a version of River um, by um, the actor and singer-songwriter Ben Platt. And Ben Platt is a um, an actor best known for, um, he's a Broadway star as well, and he's in the show on Netflix called The Politician. And when I first heard that song in that series, um, you know, it, it is Christmassy. It got redone by uh, Ellie Golden, I believe, as well. And, you know, it's just a, it's a nice song that makes you, again, pause, stop and think about people that you've lost never heard it before but i will listen to it since we've finished here i will have a listen to that um what's currently on your table so i'm away at the moment in a hotel in bristol for work so there's not much on it um i've got a paper cup which uh has a little bit of alcoholic beverage in it oh i thought uh, you were drinking tea 
No, it's it's got some uh, wine in it. I've got uh, a pair of Apple uh, earpods, and I suppose what's in on everyone's table somewhere in their house is a face mask. A face mask? No, not in yeah, my. No, it's oh, a, surg- a you know, surgical mask. I thought you meant like face. a mask. I don't know what face mask you're thinking of. It's not Halloween. Um, no, I thought no, like sur- a mask, like a, you know, like the exfoliating ones or something like oh, that. Oh, no, no, a surgical face mask. I don't know about you, but whenever I go into a pocket in my in any of my jeans or my jackets, mm-hmm. I've got a face mask. In my car, I've got them everywhere. So, uh, yeah, there's a face mask on there as well. All for good measure. Um, and what do you find the worst table habit? So there are quite a few that would annoy me, uh, but again, you only wanted one. So for my number one is if I go out and uh, the person I'm with or, um, yeah, the person I'm with is rude to a member of the staff. You know, being rude to a member of the waiting staff, I just think is is deplorable. It's just not acceptable at all. So that really does wind me up. It's one of my pet hates, and I will call the person out on it. Uh, it's very, very rare it happens. Um, most people I go out for dinner with have extremely good manners. Good. I always think when people are rude like that, it comes from a place of pain because you can never be rude like that to someone if you are genuinely centred and happy in yourself. It just it's it's awful. Completely agree. Absolutely. So that's it. Um, you've been any. There's no bad table habits here today. Thank you very much um, for joining me at the table. And all that's left me to say is to have a fantastic Christmas with your lovely family and the lovely Richard and um, take care and stay safe over the festive period. Thanks again. Thanks, Craig. Well done on the podcast. They're amazing. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and uh, speak to you soon. For anyone that suffers with anxiety or gets anxious feelings, I really do hope that you found some value in that conversation. And if maybe you're someone's partner, brother, sister, friend, then again, I hope you did get something out of that conversation. Simon did mention a couple of treatments that he's experienced. And he did point out that everyone has different experiences and different reactions to different treatments. There are lots of treatments out there. And if you feel you are losing control and maybe need some treatment, then please do seek out some professional help. And I'll pop some websites and some details in the episode notes. So have a look at those and find out more if you feel that you need to or want to. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. As always, be lovely to hear from you and let me know what you think. I can pass on any messages to Simon if you want to get in touch about anything he's shared. Now, the next episode, if you listen to these in like a sequence order, then next Friday will be Christmas Day. There won't be a full episode, but I do have a little surprise for you. So look out for that one. If you don't want to miss a surprise or miss any of the episodes, then please subscribe on your podcast app of choice. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, then please leave me a review or a rating. If you know someone you think would enjoy or maybe even benefit from this podcast, then please do share it with them. In fact, if you're feeling ever so generous, then please share on all of your social media. I'm available on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at I am Craig Story. Once again, thanks for listening and I'll be back around the table with you having a chat real soon. Mm-hmm.